0: back to another episode of Hello Hilltop. My name is Isabel Redfield, and it's my honor to have a great guest on today who's actually an SMU alumni. Gabe Travers graduated from SMU in 2007 and is now at the height of his career in digital production with Hearst Television. I'm super excited to speak with him today about his time at SMU, his career in the journalism industry, and all the advice he has for the 21st century graduate. I hope our listeners enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Here we go. First question. Gabe, will you tell us a bit about where you were when you were first coming into your academic career at SMU?
1: Sure. So I really didn't know what I wanted to major in uh, when I was a freshman. I bounced around a lot and dabbled and tried to find places and, and topics and things like that that interested me. I thought for a while that I wanted to be a business major, so I tried some business classes. And uh, after a few, I, it just wasn't uh, wasn't my thing. I was uh, doing fine, but it you know, wasn't finding my passion. Um, so I tried some other things. I actually tried some CCPA majors. I think I saw you were a CCPA major. Um, and it, that felt like a lot closer to, to home for me. Um, tried a lot of classes and really started to get interested in the field and in the topic. And I think kind of the changing moment was um, Professor Rita Kirk offered a summer experience where if it happened to be a presidential election year, students could go and intern at the Republican and Democratic National Conventions and work for a news organization. And that's what I did in um, 2004. I got the opportunity to work for ABC News at the Republican National Convention in New York City at the time. And that was kind of the moment, I think, that changed uh, everything. And it was like, yes, I, I want to do news. I want to be in journalism. Um, and that's kind of how I ended up in the department.
0: Interesting. I love that. Dr. Rita Kirk is an incredible professor. And I know that, Yes. you know, just as she influenced you in the in the early 2000s, I know she's continues to do that for our students today. So that's incredible to hear. I love that story. Um, and it sounds like the the state of the journalism and broadcasting kind of departments and CCPA classes at SMU while you were there are clearly up and running, especially mm-hmm. with, you know, Dr. Rita Kirk's kind of guidance there. Do you see any differences now? Probably they've just expanded <laughs> and only gotten better.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been great to see all of the new specialties and things like that that have been added, and how the departments have both grown. But the the department back then was, I would say, very much a reflection of what journalism was in two thousand three. Right. You know, there was no there was no Twitter. <laughs> Facebook had uh, just come to SMU my sophomore year. Um, ironically, I actually, just remembered uh, writing a story for the Daily Campus about <laughs> Facebook's first week and campus. And of course, back then you couldn't post news. You couldn't post uh, or follow updates from your favorite news organizations. It was just like friend to friend stuff. Uh, So we were really focused on storytelling, editing things in Final Cut Pro. Uh, Professional experience was big. I had a few internships in addition to the one we were talking about over the course of my time at SMU. The Daily Update was still a thing, which I believe is, is still uh, up and running and vibrant, which is yes. awesome to hear. Yes. Um, so, yeah, the, the 6 a.m. mornings in, at, back in my day were, <laughs> were a regular occurrence. Um, and things were kind of just starting to get digital. Uh, when I was on campus, the Daily Campus, I think, had its own website, but the, the newer digital aspects of the journalism department didn't quite yet. So that was one of the things that we worked on building um, but I think it comes back to in many ways it was still the same there was still a lot of great mentors and faculty uh, in the department and of course Tony Peterson was still around who was yeah. still an amazing uh, mentor and really open to big ideas uh, I remember we had wanted to cover and blog about Hurricane Katrina and the recovery efforts and he was open to the idea back in 2005 and, and you know, when we wanted to cover uh, immigration issues between Texas and Mexico, he was kind of open to these big ideas, which uh, were kind of a big part of my my journalism experience there.
0: Very interesting. That's that's all great to hear, too. It sounds a little bit like you have a hint of politics within your interest in journalism. Would you say that's true? I would
1: say from the coverage standpoint, yeah, I'm, I didn't take many political science classes at SMU. I would say politics is kind of just a side interest. I like to stay involved in my right. uh, the happenings around us, but right. not a not a not a big interest outside of
0: that. Sure. And these days, it's there is just such a huge connection between uh, the political world and and the media and journalism, of course. So of course, um, yeah. it's kind of hard to hard to get around sometimes. Um, yeah. But what else made SMU special to you while you were there? You know, you talked about the daily campus and what else, but was mm-hmm. it the people or what else were you involved in outside of your your academic classes?
1: Yeah, I would say it was definitely the people and definitely the experiences. Um, it was kind of my consistent home for four years. I stayed on campus during the summers and worked for the Office of New Student Programs uh, working with orientation programs, so I was I was pretty much there the entire time.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: um, during <laughs> during the school year, I uh, was involved in a lot of things like student senate, student foundation, uh, the student representatives on the board of trustees, um, and then it was also kind of my my work home. I had these various uh, I had these various jobs on campus where I would um, do things like work on web stuff or um, cut out SMU news clippings from these papers for the Office of Public Affairs. <laughs> um, and then a lot of it was kind of focused on these random projects where we would try to help and get these processes that were previously, like, paper-based into these digital, like, web-based things. So it was, like, getting orientation or um, cheer camp registration <laughs> or even, like, first, uh, first-year advising those are all kind of like these paper or like email systems. Wow. Um, so we kind of like worked to, to get them into these like databases where they were all easier to, to manage and things like that.
0: That's really incredible. What a transition. I It's hard to even imagine that any of the the school's inner workings and communications and whatnot um, (laughs) were really once kind of all filed away on paper. I know, it sounds so archaic, but I'm like, it's not that. I know, and it's really not. It's not not that that long ago. (laughs) We've just been moving really quickly. So upon graduation it, it looks from your LinkedIn and you can please correct me if I'm wrong that you found a, a job pretty quickly in in newscasting and you know like we've been saying the fields rapidly um, kind of progressed but but from a first job perspective and just graduating college what were some of the key takeaways that you were learning at the time in the field and and really just the key lessons that you you took away from that first job?
1: Yeah, so I went pretty much right from from graduation, had like a few weeks of a break, if you will, and then uh, went right into working. Um, My first job was I was producing an overnight newscast for the NBC station in Savannah, Georgia, and it was pretty autonomous in the fact that I was like the single producer for a two-hour newscast. uh, And... So there was a lot of creation and everything that went into that. And there weren't, in many cases, sort of the full staffs that you have, both uh, from the standpoint of being in an overnight shift. Uh, you kind of have to just make a lot of decisions on your own because, you know, your people who you might ask or, or things like that are, are still sleeping and want you to and trust you to make the right decisions. Right. So that was interesting and fun, but also, you know, a challenge when you're living in a new city and you're working
0: uh, overnight hours yeah. for a few months. So I was uh, thrilled when
1: I got to transition into working a daytime schedule, a daytime <laughs> newscast <Yeah. laughs>
0: and things
1: like that. Um, but I, I kind of learned to do everything there. Uh, I, I obviously came came to the job with a lot of skills from SMU, but part of the, the fun aspect of working in a small market is that you get to play a part in the whole process and all of the storytelling that happens. Um, And that was also kind of a side effect of the economy at the time. That was the height of the, or the, the base of the 2008 financial crisis. So there were unfortunately a lot of uh, positions that were being unfilled and things like that, but it ended up in kind of creating opportunities for, me to to do a lot more things at the station so there were times when i was you know like editing promos also writing my own newscast Uh, we added newscasts at the time i remember there was even a time when our meteorologist had had come up to the newsroom and there was a severe thunderstorm or, or tornado warning or something like that in the market and he needed to go on tv but there wasn't uh there wasn't everyone at the station <laughs> at the time. So yeah. I, I put my uh, handy director switcher skills from SMU to use <laughs> and was able to, to get us on the air. But it's one of those things where you kind of just start to, to learn and hop in where you can. I think the biggest lessons were being a Swiss Army knife is useful.
0: <laughs> you never know yeah.
1: when you're going to need to do something. I love that quote. And, <laughs> and also um, sometimes when the going gets tough, it's, it, it, if you have the opportunity, it's a great time to experiment and to expand if you can. It seems particularly fitting now because I think it's we're in the midst of a tough time for a lot of folks right now, mm-hmm. but you still see, I think, lots of experimentation. Things will turn around, I'm confident. Things will bounce back, um, but it is a difficult time to get through. But sometimes those are the points where the most creativity comes to light.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've seen that for a lot of my peers and and certainly all over the world. You're totally right about that. Um, well, since, since your first job kind of being a Swiss army knife, you've since risen to the height of the digital production industry. And after being at Hearst Television for almost 10 years now, I believe, Maybe you can you can speak a little bit about your experience there, and um, you know tell our listeners who are unfamiliar with Hearst Television um, what it is and what you do for them.
1: Sure. So Hearst is a very diverse media organization, and also has several components that are outside of media. But Hearst Television owns television stations in about two dozen markets around the U.S., so it's equivalent of being able to reach about one in every five households in the U S Wow! what I do for them is basically digital product development. So if you think of these news brands, they all have websites, they all have apps, they all stream their news, they stream video, all those sorts of features that all kind of r- routes back to product development and engineering. And the product development is, is what I oversee in that regard.
0: Interesting. And and what does that look like on a on a day to day basis? And is Hearst mostly, I guess it's television and streaming. But do you all do any other magazine or print?
1: Yeah. So Hearst uh, has multiple divisions. They do have a magazines division, which owns a lot of big brands
0: like Cosmopolitan, right. Health, things like that. We're such a big company that we're kind of divided up
1: in, into these different areas. And so my division, the division that I work for, really just focuses on the television brands and sort of the digital presence of of those brands. So my day-to-day is a lot of talking with product managers and engineers about how we make things happen essentially on our websites or in our apps. So that could be support for some sort of big editorial story, making sure that all uh, all of our Wheels are turning properly for things like elections or big story coverage, uh, but also working on new features, whether that's building new apps for platforms like Apple TV or doing enhancements to our apps for iPhones or Android devices, all that kind of stuff. Um, We kind of centralize all of that development. So that means if we're building a new feature for one of our stations, all the stations are kind of going to get that new feature in their apps.
0: Interesting. I love that. And you're really enjoying it, obviously, so far?
1: Yeah, it's been it's been a pleasure. Time certainly flies. And you were right, it's uh, been 10 years now. Um, I kind of started for the company working in a digital editorial role sure, and evolved into the role that I do now.
0: Interesting. And where's the biggest office for Hearst Television Vision? Where's the hub?
1: But yeah, so the headquarters is in New York. Okay. We have people all over the place. Sure. We have people that work in our local stations, on the grounds. We also have our uh, digital product and tech folks who are kind of all over the country. So right. I'm based in Washington, D.C., but we have people on my team that are in uh,
0: Cincinnati and Florida and all <laughs> over the place. I'll be sure to check it out. And I know y'all do wonderful work. That's really important. Gabe, what's your advice for the 21st century graduate who's interested in digital journalism?
1: Yeah, I guess probably the two biggest pieces of of advice would be to be open to working anywhere. There's lots of exciting places
0: to, to work in the United States, even abroad, if that's an opportunity. Sure. But be open
1: to kind of anywhere. You know, Savannah, for me, was a great starting point, a great opportunity and there are lots of great markets in cities like that if you want to go into the local space that you can learn from in those regards because you have the opportunities of doing a lot and that kind of links into the second one i guess which is you know be that be the person who can do as many skills as possible be the swiss army knife if you can you'll never know when it's going to come in handy
0: absolutely and how, through these ten years, have you adapted your more traditional journalism education to find success within this ever-changing digital sphere that's really emerged? You know, you, we talk about the early two thousands and then through the crash and whatnot, and and turning all of those paper products into digital for SMU. And how do you be that Swiss Army knife? How do you stay current and up to date? Who do you learn from? Yeah, I I think the industry certainly changed
1: a lot, but some of the fundamentals are still kind of the same. It's still about storytelling and it's still about conveying what's happening in the world. I think my experience has always kind of had an interest in these digital things, if you will, websites and apps and app development and databases and engineering. So for me, it's been a little bit of a blending between the journalism education from SMU and my interest in t- things that are digital and how did the two come together so I've used that along the way as the industry's uh, changed and evolved to kind of figure out how can I apply my my interest in and in learnings from technology uh, into storytelling and how do we tell stories better because in the end of the day whether it's an iOS app or whether it's uh, something that you're watching on your Your Apple TV at home, Um, it's still kind of about how do we tell you the story or how do we help you find the story that you're interested in watching.
0: Right, absolutely. Well, I think y'all are doing a a great job of that, certainly so far. And I, I know my generation feels the same. And I even look at my parents and you know, what they're watching and, and whatnot and how tailored it is to their interests. So kudos to that, to all of your industry, really. And wh- where do you see the industry going within the next 10 years? I know that's a big and broad question, but, you know, we are moving quickly and mm-hmm. I think we're at a turning point within journalism and within media.
1: Yeah, I think I think we'll certainly see that there's going to be new places or new habits where people um, watch Even if I was thinking about uh, the phone I had in college was clearly not the phone that I have. Right. (laughs) The the number of things that you could do on it. So I think just that trajectory of technology is going to continue to propel both the world and how journalism happens. That said, I think there's still going to be an immense need and interest in quality journalism. People who know how to tell stories um, because, you know, the technology may change, but those fundamentals that you learn and that are still applicable, I think, won't change. And those are the, the, the really kind of the foundational principles that are important no matter what surface you're, you're telling a story on, whether it's on a TV newscast, in an app, in a living room. It all kind of comes down to the same basics.
0: Absolutely. And that's one of the first things that we learn um, in a CCPA major or minor or anything, you know, human connection and communication. So it really yeah, exactly. all yeah, it boils down to that. And finally, Gabe, I've really enjoyed this conversation. And I know that our listeners out there, especially those who are SMU students, will really enjoy hearing your your story and your career and all the advice that you've given throughout this podcast. But kind of to sum it all up, what is the greatest piece of advice that you've ever received or perhaps maybe the most important book that you've read, something that's really kind of guided you throughout your life?
1: Yeah, so I I would say it actually roots back to something from SMU. I had the the honor of being a Hunt scholar when I was there, and there was a point when they gave us a copy of uh, one of Ray Hunt's commencement speeches from uh, many, many decades ago now. But part of his advice was to work for an organization where you're going to get as many learning experiences as as possible. And also somewhere where where you have a lot of responsibility, even if the pay is less or the location might not be your dream city. And I think, you know, we all need those opportunities to learn and even to make mistakes. And especially today, I think there's a lot of desire to want a perfect,
0: shining, high-paying job right. as fast as you can, but sometimes I
1: think it takes some time to get there, and I know at least personally, all of the road along the way, SMU, my first job, my jobs after that, have really kind of like paved the way uh, to get to where I am now, so I'm always grateful for that advice, and I think still for the opportunity uh, of SMU, all the opportunities that were afforded there, and also the opportunity to be a Hunt Scholar it was a great experience.
0: Absolutely. That's a wonderful program. I did not know that. That's absolutely awesome. Well, Gabe, this has been so valuable and I really appreciate your time. And this has been a fun podcast. I really appreciate it.
1: Of course. Happy to join. Thanks, Isabel.
0: That's all for today, listeners. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And be sure to go check out SMU Hello Hilltop on Instagram, and listen to more of our episodes on our SoundCloud. We really appreciate it.